Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hello, Em. It's a beautiful day for the Real Houses of Miami. Yes, and it's also a beautiful day for Kathy Hilton to apparently be confirmed as a friend of for next season of Beverly Hills. Thank God I needed some happy news today. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but according to TMZ, what had happened was she felt like she wasn't being paid enough or wasn't being fully valued by the producers. And I guess they recently had another conversation. They agreed to pay her what she was requesting. And like I said, according to TMZ, she will officially be a friend of. I just had like a really funny vision of Kathy coming in mid-season and them doing promos the way they did with Heather Dubrow. Like, Kath is back and her <laughs> slow-mo walking. And she's like, who's hunky-dory? No, it's like her slow-mo walking and like slow-mo howling to her dogs. I need it. I need it. I know. Okay, so guys, the way this episode is going to go down, we are recording this after we've done everything. So it's first Salt Lake City, then OC, then we end with Miami. And we just want to give a very quick PSA totally recognize if it takes people a little bit longer to get into Miami just because there's so much TV recently. But Isabel and I both watched it and you will hear us discuss it later. It was truly the highlight of our week this week. And so we would highly, highly recommend once that we can all just like be happy and discuss it together, but also telling you quality television. And I'm begging you all to please rewatch the first three seasons. I need Peacock to cut me a check or give me a little bit of money for each person that I get to sign up on Peacock and watch the old seasons because I have told everybody I know today that they need to watch. <laughs> you guys don't understand. We're like in Dwayne Reed and she's doing the checkout. She's like, by the way, just letting you know the old seasons of Miami, like every <laughs> single person we run into the eyebrow threading person, she strikes up a conversation. It is truly your mission and I wish they had referral codes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We leave you with this episode. We love you guys so much. So you guys probably saw this on our feed earlier today because we posted about it this morning on Instagram. 
but airing tonight on HGTV is Tarek and Heather, The Big I Do. So it's basically this 90-minute special that follows Tarek Amusa and Heather Ayung throughout the entirety of their wedding planning process. You get to see the actual wedding. It's this beautiful affair in Montecito, California. I know we talk a lot on this podcast about like the flower game and a lot of beautiful flowers. That is tonight on HGTV, December 16th at 9.30, 8.30 Central. Do not forget to set your DVR. Remember on Beverly Hills when there was that entire scene when Kyle was explaining to the group how Kathy Hilton kind of talks in code? Emma, I can't believe we just said that. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's how I felt this whole episode. Everything they would say was, and you know, then she said, and you know, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I, I felt like I was trying to decode gibberish every time they were talking because yeah, I know the players, I know what's going on. But at the same time, I feel like we're kind of going in circles here and I'm a little lost. Like, is that so unintelligent? No, I mean, it, it could be, but I was in the same boat, not nearly as much as last week because last week was just so all over the place. But this week, I really did still feel a, a little bit like I didn't have my footing. And I don't know if it's because of the amount of storylines or because so many of these conversations are happening off camera. Not only are the conversations with Cameron unfilmed with the exception of the one with Meredith, but on top of that, any of these, quote, shady interactions they have had with Jen were in the form of text messages. So we never even got to really see that. And now we're coming in knowing that that happened. But I don't know. I don't know if other people are feeling like that, but that's how I felt. I guess for me, the thing I'm the most unclear about is sort of what everybody is fighting for. Not fighting about, but what their goal is. What are they trying to get? Like, I don't understand where the finish line is with all of this and why they sort of feel, like I said last week, this responsibility to uncover and dig this up and now that something almost has been handed to them and also how it relates to what happened with Jen. It's just very confusing and I just find myself really having to stop and reflect on where each of them stand or where I think they stand, where their friendships are with each other and also sort of what the end goal here is that they're trying to like get done. So I rewatched last week's episode and then I watched this episode probably about two and a half times. And one thing I would like to start out by saying, let's put the Mary plotline on the back burner for a second. This is just in regards to Jen. Even though I genuinely believe that most of them don't think she's the best person or at the very least have a lot of questions as to her moral compass, there really still is something to be said for the fact that they all kind of want to be on her good side and not even so much operating from a place of fear, like Heather used to say, which I think there's some truth there. But the way that Whitney and Heather would talk about Lisa having this cool girl factor, there's a part of me that feels like some of them potentially feel that way about Jen. I know what you mean. It's just, it isn't helpful to me in not seeing Jen for a whole episode. And I also think it really screwed us up that Jen wasn't on this trip. Yeah, of course. I mean, in a way it was great because it allowed them to have those conversations specifically that night when they really laid it all out there. And that would have never happened, of course, if she was there. But at the same time, her re-entering, even being gone for just one episode, the whole thing felt eerie. I think it's because also we saw everything that they were saying about her sort of behind her back, but also because they said, okay, now that this has happened, let's play detective and piece together any shady shit that we've seen her do in the past couple months or the last year. And then that sort of snowballed into, well, what else 
shady have we heard about our friends? And then it completely turned the spotlight onto Mary. So I don't even know if Jen is aware of what's going on with the Mary stuff. I think she's really involved in her own life as to be expected. But actually what was really probably one of the most interesting parts of this episode to me was the very beginning. It was so short, but Jen getting a new phone number and her with almost a clean slate after the week calling the women to get together and seeing how they reacted to that immediately after being home. I thought that that was like, I would could dissect that all day long. Yeah. And just to look at it from her perspective for a second, she has no idea that all of these conversations were taking place. Of course, she finds out a little bit from Heather, but that's a very vulnerable spot that she was in. Again, I'm not team Jen Shaw by any means, but I do think that there was a lot emotionally probably going on for her just in those contacts wanting to see, wait, did everybody turn on me or what's the deal here? Imagine, I think she already, not paranoid, but I think she thinks a lot about what her friends are saying and what people think about her. I mean, we saw last season when she had the big explosion at Sharif's birthday party or anything. She has these moments and then she really cares a lot about what people think or are saying about her. So now to be put in this situation where you know for a fact it's not just like a couple people gossiping, it's literally front page news and all the women are on a trip together, staying together and probably talking on and off camera about it. Say what you want about what she allegedly did. No matter who it is, that's a really tough situation to be thinking about that and also dealing with what's in front of you with the legal stuff. Yeah. I mean, this lunch had so much going on here because you know how I feel about Heather. I absolutely adore her. I think she is one of the housewives in all franchises that really has the best head on her shoulder and she's a ride or die and she's a really good friend. But it did it did feel a little bit hypocritical when she was having this conversation with Jen where she was so quick, I don't want to say to throw other people under the bus because it wasn't really th- throwing them under the bus. She was just recounting to Jen what happened. But in her description of the events, she completely removed herself from the narrative. And what I wanted to say watching that was like, Heather, I genuinely think that you are a great friend to Jen. And I think even agreeing to meet her for lunch did more for her than you could ever know. But at the same time, you had her in jail the second the article came out. It was very interesting how she was coming from really a place of love. But the way she was asking questions, we got a lot of answers. And Jen Jen was way more willing to give answers and sort of give her side of the story and almost acknowledge like what sketchy things people maybe heard than I thought. Like I thought she was going to completely like make up a whole story and lie, but she gave her exact count of events and also had kind of an answer for everything, which I wasn't expecting and wasn't getting upset when Heather would ask things that were sort of prying. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think she was brief with her lawyer because she was very careful to never have any admissions of wrongdoing. And you yeah. saw even the way that she was consciously separating herself from Stuart and trying to really create that narrative, at least to the public, who knows how that matters in court. But <laughs> the, the beauty of Heather being there was because she felt so safe with her, it didn't feel like an interrogation where if you look at Erica if it was one of the housewives asking her a question that she wasn't necessarily that close with, there was a part of her that felt like it was more of an interrogation, which Jen may get there if it's somebody not Heather. 
Yeah, this I think is what it would have looked like if Erica, the article had broken and she went and sat down at Lisa Rinna's house in their pajamas. Maybe Mm -hmm. off camera, but this is more the vibe it would have been. A little bit more open and not feeling like you're being attacked. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know what to think. And I think I love Heather so much. I don't want her to be put in a bad position. But I also think she just, like she said, can relate to the feeling of all your friends dropping you when something goes wrong or when you do something the way she felt when she was divorced and when she left her religion, which actually like weirdly reminded me of when Gina was explaining to Heather the reasons that she brought up the Nicole thing this last week Mm -hmm. of how she had that exact same experience and it almost triggered something in her and like subconsciously or maybe consciously she was projecting her own past problems into this situation, which I get, but I think Heather has to be careful because she is such a good friend and she can't like be a liar or mean to Jen's face or to anyone's face. And I I'm afraid that could come back and bite her in the ass. The way that I think it could bite her in the ass is if there is a big blowout, which I'm sure there will be with Jen and the rest of the women, this is a situation where Lisa Barlow, I'm sure, could look at Heather in front of Jen and say, wait a second. Of course, Lisa would deny that she did anything wrong, but in doing so, she would call out Heather directly and talk about how she was on that bus. Because like I said, it's not that she wasn't coming from a place of compassion. I do think she was, but also she immediately, she was she was a little too quick to believe Jen's being guilty if I'm Jen, you know? Right. That's the thing that we forget. If I'm Jen watching, I realize how quickly my friends are, yep, of course, it makes sense. Saying that, we as viewers kind of can skip past that and say, oh, I don't think Heather was saying anything mean or wrong. You know, she was crying about it and she felt so bad and was thinking about her children when really – we got to backpedal a couple of steps and realize, wait, they're all not shocked. What have they thought about me this whole time that we've been such quote, great friends? I know. And then the real question is, is that a shock to Jen or on some level, did she have that understanding? Like that's when you really have to try to evaluate the level of delusion. And Heather saying, yeah, she was on my podcast for two hours and I couldn't get a straight answer from her about what her businesses are and almost feeding it. So I don't blame Heather at all, but it it is hard because what else is she supposed to do in that situation? It's impossible to be completely one side or the other. That's also, she's a housewife. She's in a confessional. They're directly asking her what she thought about the situation with Stuart. And so she's going to be honest and saying, yeah, this does feel a little bit weird to me. Stuart is her legitimate right hand. They are so close. And it is very clear to me that she's actively trying to separate herself, which, yeah, if I'm Jen, I'm probably not thrilled that she's bringing that up. But also she has a job to do. And that's the most obvious thing. Anybody could see that. So of course she's going to say that. The separating of Jen from Stuart that she was doing was so purposeful. Like you said, it a hundred percent came directly from her lawyers, making it seem like actually, we're not really that involved in business. And he has a lot of things going on outside of me and making sort of painting this picture of what he's like in business and how he has a lot of other things going on. And I could tell that that was shocking for Heather to hear. But even for us as viewers, the way that she's presented him on the show and just all over has made it very clear to all of us that he really was her right hand. So now for her to backpedal, regardless, even if this wasn't a legal thing at all, 
we would be like, wait, what? That's not what you've told us. So then for her real life friend who sees them in action, her first, their first reaction when Jen, this whole thing happened was to call Stuart. I know. Okay. The thing is, you have to remember that we are watching this scene with the knowledge in real time that Stuart has now pleaded guilty. And I don't know enough about the case. Obviously, we don't have any more information. I know the trial's not even set until, I believe, March of next year. But that is really bad news for Jen because all of the assumptions, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, I don't have clearly any real legal understanding, but if he does some sort of a plea deal with the prosecution, that could very likely involve him throwing her under the bus. Very likely. Right. And that's the thing about being on reality television you, no matter how good of an actress you are, there's no way that you can fully convince the audience that a narrative is a certain way because we all have documentation of it in a way where in your real life, that just doesn't happen. We've lived it. We saw you have to explain who this person is and you explained him the way you did. Right hand, he does everything. We do everything together. The The shot of them driving in the car together. And he's in, so intimately involved in her everyday life. And she wanted to make that really clear. I could see her saying, oh, I just wanted to come across like I had an assistant. Something like that. Or I had a team. But the facts are the facts. No, completely. And the one thing that I want to mention from this lunch, which is separate from the quote drama, is when Jen's talking about you know, the feds coming to her house and pointing a gun at her son. And we said that when that episode initially aired, that that was so traumatic for them, I have to imagine, and so unnecessary. And, you know, those are tears that, in my opinion, were very real because I don't think any mother could stand the idea that their child could be put in, honestly, danger like this. You know, it's, it's such a terrible reality, but we see how so many of these circumstances end. And I cannot imagine how chilling that was for those boys. And I just so wish they never had to experience that. Me too. I think it added so much of her guilt. And to me, it seemed like aside from anything else going on, that was what made her the most upset and what was weighing on her the most, which just, of course, she's a mother. So to hear her explaining that and really what's going on in her head, I think gave us a lot of insight into like what her life was like in the week that this was going on. Well, I completely believe that that actually was as heartbreaking for her as she said it was, not only because, you know, she's a mother and clearly that's such a maternal instinct, but I also think that she is so deeply narcissistic and has such a delusional mindset about this entire situation that when it comes to the actual facts and what she's being accused of, I still think she's operating in a world where in her mind, there's no way anything bad is going to happen to her legally. So the stuff with her son, when there's a gun being pointed at him, of course that is terrible. But I think that that's almost operating from a different part of her brain than what's going on with the trial, because I don't even think she's accepted the reality that something bad could happen. Yeah. So I think she's focusing on that even more. Totally. Okay. Meredith and Lisa horseback riding. They are not friends anymore. I'm sorry. I hate watching them fight. It is so uncomfortable for me. It's like I don't even know if they're just fighting or if they're if Meredith is so over Lisa. Yeah. Did you see how in the preview for next week, Heather makes a comment like, ooh, mom and dad are fighting. What do we do? Yeah. And that's how I feel. Yeah. Because their relationship is the most similar out of the entire cast to Whitney and Heather in the fact of like, no matter what goes down, they're going to have each other's backs. And I know that that was a little bit weary in the last reunion, but in general, there haven't really been any big blowups and you could see tensions are rising. And I agree with you. I think that Meredith is starting to become slightly apathetic to the situation, which 
Honestly, I think Lisa would rather Meredith be mad than, quote, disengage. I a million percent agree. I think also Meredith's so over it and her and Lisa have had such an almost unspoken understanding this whole time that they are untouchable to each other. Like we are better friends than this. So let's just not even go there. I won't go after you. You won't go after me. Of Clearly that didn't happen the whole time of the reunion. But overall, I think they're really cautious to protect each other in a way. That doesn't mean stand up for each other, but sort of just keep them out of the line of fire coming in either direction. And I think as time goes on and as they disagree more and are on really different sides and different dynamics with the group, it's becoming so much harder to keep that rule. Right. And if I'm putting myself in each of their shoes, even though in this situation, I so much more agree with Meredith. I understand if I'm Lisa, why I would be upset that I feel like Heather and Whitney are constantly attacking me and Meredith never steps in. And then if I'm Meredith, I still very much understand why she would be so upset that after Jen did all these things that to her were considered traumatic, Lisa went and pursued a friendship. It wasn't like she just didn't end the friendship. It was like the friendship only strengthened after the situation. And if the tables were turned, Lisa would never, ever let that fly with Meredith. And if it had something to do with involving her kids or her husband, no freaking way. So I think Meredith feels like on top of it being wrong, it's also very hypocritical. So there's a lot of just underlying resentment, I think, bubbling up, and it hasn't hit the boiling point yet, but I de- it's definitely there. And I think face-to-face, they sort of are just pretending like nothing has ever happened and almost want to go back to the old days, but that's just not possible anymore. Also, I felt like Meredith was really trying to give Lisa a chance to save herself when she repeatedly kept trying to say, listen, it's on all of us. You know, She wasn't putting the blame on her. She was trying to give her an opportunity to share the responsibility in a way that would have come across more gracious. And Lisa wants nothing to do with that, which is such a hard position to take if you're thinking about the audience response, which I know the best housewives don't think about the audience response, so I got to give it to her. But she had an option for neutrality and she did not take it, which is why I love her as a housewife, but think it would be a little bit challenging to be her close friend. It must be really challenging because she simultaneously wants to be so involved in the drama and cares a lot about it, but also doesn't want her name involved in it at all and wants to keep her hands clean. And that's just not possible. And Meredith's right. The whole group is to blame for this whole shitstorm that's going on and the way that everything's been handled. Lisa is clearly involved in it. And even if she doesn't think that she is, she has to at least take a little bit of credit of what's going on. That's what's so frustrating about it. She really tries to drop the bomb and then completely remove herself. I think I think either Heather or Whitney said this later that she almost leaves little breadcrumbs. I think it was Whitney. She leaves little breadcrumbs and she wants them to pick it up. That's what we've been saying since the Cameron thing happened. Clearly, she invited him to the event. Clearly, she wanted this conversation with Meredith to go down, and they've talked about these things before, and she wanted them to be found out, just not by her. And she knew that if someone heard them and someone else brought them up, it would come to light without her being the one that pushed it there. Right. And not to compare, I know these are completely different circumstances, and I know people have very mixed opinions on this, but it's different, but a little bit similar, in my opinion, to the Shannon Door situation with that information. Like You've been on the show for how many years? You know that when there's something like that and you mention it, 
that information is going to spread. And so for you then to turn around and act so shocked and like you're this victim, it's just disingenuous to the like situation you signed up for. I feel like Lisa feels she has almost an alibi of why Cameron was at the event and why she has said certain things that she feels like she could get away with it. When in reality, the source will always be found. Like they're not afraid to say, well, Lisa was the one who introduced me or Lisa was the one who brought up the thing about Cameron mortgaging his house. Just because she's not the one doing sort of the dirty work, all roads lead back to Lisa. I know. And I don't know how she can really not see that. I don't either. I really, really don't. I think the also most interesting kind of conversation or the most revelations made in this episode was at Whitney's photo shoot. Oh yeah. Wait, that was wild. Should we do Jen and Sharif first though? Yeah. Jen and Sharif and then we'll get into the photo shoot. Also, I know this isn't like drama worthy, but I just have to mention it. Jenny's daughter, Carlin is so intelligent and so fun to watch. And I saw, I think it was a meme of saying she should hang out with Olivia, Jennifer Aiden's daughter. And I posted that. <laughs> oh, did you post it? Like what good television that would be. I watched the whole scene with her and I was like, wait, I need more of this. I was enjoying it and especially sandwiched between the such heavy drama that my brain really has to work hard to watch. I know that sounds really like silly and Adele would say our brain is turning to mush watching this. (laughs) However, that scene just brought me so much joy and so much levity. Yes. Levity. That is a perfect word. Okay. In the polar opposite of levity is this conversation (laughs) between Jen and Sharif. And can I tell you my overarching thought? Yeah. I think he thinks she is full of shit. And I think he is thinking, how am I going to get out of this? A million percent. Right? If this is how he's treating her and reacting while he's on camera and knows that eyes are on him and that what he says will be documented and picked apart by everyone to see, imagine what's going on behind the scenes because he's giving minimal effort. I know because I know what he was actually saying is that he will always be there and he's not going anywhere and she has nothing to worry about. But what he was saying and then his demeanor were in such opposition to one another. And I really think he probably has a lot of built up anger towards her, even if he doesn't think that she did it necessarily. Let's just say for one second that he feels it was maybe an honest mistake and she wasn't so malicious in this and her intentions were actually more pure than the prosecution is making her out to be. I still think he's so livid that he's stuck in the middle of this whole situation. It was almost like there were certain things that she said and wanted him to agree with or not along with or give her validation about that he physically couldn't. He was so not opposed, but you could feel that he either felt how ridiculous it would look because he clearly disagrees or just in his heart knows that he can't, he just couldn't do it. I know. And I think that he also was a little bit pissed off when out of the whole situation, she then starts to come kind of for his family. And I think in his mind, what he wanted to say is like, are you fucking kidding me? You just put our entire life into shambles and you're upset that my family hasn't reached out to you in the way that you would maybe want it? That was her biggest thing. And also about her friends not texting her back and not wanting to be there. It's like Homeland Security just came from New York searching for you and the FBI. And your biggest problem that you can't stop crying to your husband about is you getting a new number and your friends not wanting to go have lunch with you. I think he feels like, do you even understand the burden that uh, me and our kids and everyone feel that 
this is your priority. Like, come on, we got bigger issues here. I think he also was probably thinking in the back of his mind, like, yeah, I'm so goddamn jealous of them that they have that option. I fucking live with this woman. Right. Like my out is not so easy as just ignoring their text to go have steak. Right. Like I think that he's looking at them with such admiration and really such envy. And also he knows his wife that she wouldn't respond well if he said, well, maybe they don't want to be friends. Maybe they feel they don't want to be involved with you anymore. And I think he knows that if he gave her sort of tough love or that an honest truth or a mirror of the real reality of the situation, it would not go well. So he sort of just yeses her along. I think that it must be a really hard position to be in when you are a person that tries to operate from a really level-headed perspective and uses a lot of logic, which I definitely think is something he does in his job. And any of the times that you know we've seen him give her these kind of speeches, as she calls them, or pep talks, he does speak with a lot of logic. And I think that having to kind of suppress that in order to not set off another person, specifically when the person is your spouse, that must be really hard because you're actively not doing what your mind is telling you to do and what your normal reaction would be. He's basically having to stop himself from responding with any sort of level-headedness just so that he can appease her. And that does not feel good. It can't feel good. And I do give him a lot of credit for doing a risk analysis of, is it really worth it for me to go there with her? I just can keep things at a level one if I sort of go along and just yes her and make her feel better in this moment and not add to her stress by not being super honest. Yeah, which is shitty. But I I mean, if you're asking me, that's 100% what was going on in his mind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, by the way, this is all that we inferred as they're like eating Popeyes at their kitchen table. So who the fuck knows? But that was my take also. Okay, you want to talk about the rebrand? <laughs> what rebrand? <laughs> Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again, and I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bowen brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company, first of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic cotton and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30-night worry-free guarantee, so you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California king, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This was stressing me out financially hearing her talk about it. Between all the bank conversation and then getting to the photo shoot, her saying that she spent 20 grand and it's a white backdrop and some people and some puppies, I mean, and not even the right branded content. What? Come on, Whitney, you're better than this. I want nothing more than Wild Rose to succeed. And I think that she's so passionate about it that hopefully it will. I really do believe there's a potential, but she she did not seem to have her ducks in a row when she was talking about this. It seemed like it was a lot more creative and a lot less logistical. I know I'm stressed, but I, I do think she'll figure it out. Okay. So Heather and Jenny come. By the way, I was happy to have Jenny there because with Heather and Whitney, it's not even necessarily an accurate portrayal of what's going on because the way they're going to speak with one another is different than when there's another presence there. And so when the third person happens to be somebody that's very close to Lisa, it was a much more interesting dialogue in my opinion. Yes. And I also was surprised how free it was, even with things about Lisa, because yeah, we do know Jenny as Lisa's friend. She introduced her to the group, but her loyalty it only goes so far. Jenny is not the kind of person who will just be blindly loyal to Lisa because she's the one that she was friends with first. I think she loves her, but she also is not afraid to say exactly what she's seeing or hearing right in front of her. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like Whitney's best argument in terms of being able to have the conversation with Jenny is that unlike Jen, Jenny was in Colorado with them. So she saw Lisa flip-flop like an unbelievable amount. So, I mean, yeah, unless she was going to blindly defend her, there was no way that she couldn't at least understand where Whitney was coming from. I think that also gave Whitney a lot of validation later on when she says she's going to go to Lisa with all the information she got from Cameron. And Jenny really agreed with that because Heather and Whitney can go back and forth all day, but they usually see things from a similar perspective and sort of are on the same page with everything. So to get that external yes from Jenny that it was a good idea with to go with that plan of action. I think it was really important to the narrative that we're about to see go down. Oh, for sure. And I know that, you know, when you're watching this, her saying that she thinks she should bring it to Lisa and they're agreeing with her, there's definitely two schools of thought because I could absolutely see an argument being made for the fact of, no, this is the type of thing that you go directly to Mary with. But given her history with Mary, I don't blame her. No, I actually think it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And in a weird way, depending on how this all plays out, it actually could be strangely bonding for her and Lisa. Because once you're operating with the same amount of information from the same source, assuming you both believe it, you're actually more on the same page than you've probably ever been. Yeah. I think it could go that way of like, okay, we both have this much information. Lisa feeling good because she's not the one that gave it to her. Whitney went and got it out herself. What do we do with it now? But also now knowing Lisa, I could see her saying, why did you go seek it out? You went behind my back with my friend, like spinning it almost in a way just because she's so defensive. So I am curious to see how that plays out. But overall, Whitney is a fucking good housewife. She said, I'm taking matters into my own hands. She got Cameron's number from Angie, our friend that we saw and then never saw again. And got the information herself. She said, I don't need to hear this through the grapevine. Let me hear it with my own ears. And she was being realistic that if Lisa knew one-tenth of what she heard and then also one-tenth of that was even true, like they have a big problem here. 
I know. I loved that she did that because it was the smartest possible move in the scenario in terms of how do I, I don't even want to say how do I get under Lisa's skin? Because like I was saying, there's actually potential that Lisa would almost be happy about it, but how do I level up with her? And how do I also not make it like I just believe everything that everyone says to me blindly? Like I, I'm taking everything with a grain of salt. However, the allegations are almost that bad and the stories that she's hearing are that bad that she almost, I feel like kind of sympathized with Lisa of like, okay, I understand why she couldn't keep this in anymore and wanted us to know without coming to us and completely exposing Mary and cutting her out. Yeah, no, it was a really, really good move. And also Lisa's entire, like what she thought was her leverage or was her superpower was the fact that she had this information that no one else knew. And she kept kind of, you know, hanging that over them. So Whitney's like, all right, fuck it. Let me go to the source. If you're not going to tell us. Like that night when they're doing s'mores and Meredith's like, okay, you're being so vague, religious trauma, like get to the point. And I think what Lisa said about mortgaging the house and the 300 grand was just one small bullet point of Cameron's larger issues and things that have gone on. So for Whitney to now hear all the other things that Lisa wasn't revealing, it gives her power, but it also gives her clarity. Mm -hmm. It does give her clarity. And the reason I think this works in terms of like, let's remove the angle for a second and just talk about her to the viewers is that she never comes across as like thinking she's above everyone else or like, fuck it, I'm going to bury them because you're having this. And then one scene before she's being so honest about her financial vulnerability. And to me, it's the contrast of those two things that makes her really likable. Yes. You need that balance. You can't be digging for the information and having all the information and saying my life is completely perfect. That's almost what I think is Lisa's problem. I was about to say, that's why, especially in contrast to Lisa, it makes Whitney look so good because Lisa will do all the, you know, hard shit, but she- Whoa, where'd that go from? Okay. She, she will. She'll she'll like, you know, go balls to the wall, but then she also wants her life to be presented as hundred percent perfect. I know. I don't know what is with my expressions right now. Balls to the walls, Barlow. That's what they call her. <laughs> exactly. No, what was it that they said? Oh, the sheep line with Meredith. They don't count sheep at night, they count Lisa Barlow's. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And in the beginning, 30 seconds into the episode, she's telling her husband everything. She said, Whitney just likes to come and, you know, whip everything up, whisk me. I know. She loves a, a little play on words. I, I love a play on words too. I know. The one last thing that I want to say is the real MVP of this episode was Mary's closet organizer because that is really a challenge. That closet is a Virgo's worst nightmare. Virgo? Try a Capricorn. I know. But the, both of you. <laughs> I Listen. I love you more than anything, but Mary's closet makes yours look like literally the home edit. I, I don't even know. I know. Not that you're disorganized, just that you have so much stuff. And I fear that you are going down a Mary path. And it's almost like I kept saying to Emma when I was watching um, Paris in Love this week and Kathy Hilton keeps sneaking into Paris's house to just organize everything. That's me. Yes, that's you and my dad. <laughs> Behind your back. <laughs> okay, let's go to OC. Academy is a new scripted podcast that follows Ava Richards, played by Mahalala of Leave the World Behind and HBO's Industry, a brilliant scholarship student who has to quickly adapt to her newfound eat-or-be-eaten world. Ava's ambitions take hold, and her small-town values break, in hopes of becoming the first scholarship student to make the list. 
Bishop Gray's all-coveted academic top 10 curated by the headmaster himself. But after realizing she has no chance at the list on her own, she reluctantly accepts an invitation to a secret underground society that pulls the strings on campus life and academic success. If she bends to their will, she'll have everything she's ever dreamed of. But at what cost? Academy takes you into the world of a cutthroat private school where money, power, and sex collide in a game of life and death. Follow Academy on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Academy early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like there have literally been times where we've had to pause recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things. Because listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm never going to be a daily bra wear. It's just not in the cars for me. Never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events that I've kind of had a lot of weddings and just there's sometimes you got to wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra and the No Show Balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like, it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you is a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like, I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm, I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like, I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Is it just me or did this situation with Noella feel like it escalated so quickly? It came out of actual left field. I was not expecting that. I know. And the other thing is I know we technically just met her two episodes ago, so it's not like we're super invested in her life. But I was kind of, you know, buying what she was selling at least the first episode or two. And so even in this same episode, when she's at cryo with Gina, she says that divorce is nowhere in even the realm of possibilities. And then like three minutes later, she's calling saying she got served with papers. It just felt like such a 180. I just don't know how you sign up for a show like this and you're filming for a couple of days and then the biggest event of your life happens. So I just, I don't know. I feel like we've seen this happen before where women see it coming. They either know it would be a good storyline or they want to start a career and become a personality, which is great. I mean, Housewives provides a lot of opportunity for a lot of women and boosts their careers and creates careers. But I don't know her yet. So I feel so bad for her. But at the same time, I'm like, I literally do not know you. So I don't feel it in a way, which I know might sound cold, but I'm just almost watching. And it's not like I feel like I know her. We've never even met her husband. Well, that's the other thing is that we're just getting introduced to her. We don't know her husband. We've never really seen their dynamic, but I just, you can tell she's going through it for sure. Like, I don't think that this is fake. I genuinely believe everything that she's saying in terms of the shock. Yeah. It just, what's so crazy to me is that she never communicated any sort of things being unsettled prior to this episode. So it's like, if it's shocking to us, I, I just can't imagine how this escalated for her. I mean, all she was talking about was like the sex dungeon that they have and you have to come see it. And my husband and I are into all of these things. 
To be honest with you, I could get the sense just from watching that, that clearly there was something she felt she had to prove because I feel like if everything is great in your marriage or, you know, I'll be worried, no pun intended, like <laughs> you, you don't feel the need to constantly tell every person you interact with about your sexcapades, right? Like it feels like something that you're saying in order to kind of prove a point or to fill an insecurity. And that's one thing, like it's one thing to maybe have some marital issues happening and you feel like you really need to overcompensate, but <laughs> a little bit of marital issues to being served with divorce papers and all credit cards being shut off. It's a big jump. And also the other thought that I had is like you were saying, housewives is definitely a launching pad or it can be if you play your cards. Right. And so in this episode, when she's talking about how he's in charge of all of the finances and she really doesn't have that independence, like maybe this was something in her mind where she said, you know what, I can tell things aren't going great and I may as well get on this show and try to secure my own stream of income as early as possible. Some people come on the show to get divorced. So I guess now we'll see what the aftermath is. I mean, it's not, I guess, a quote, typical sort of divorce. I mean, none of them ever really are, I guess, with the housewives, but there's a lot of issues with money and finance and this house in Puerto Rico. And then on top of that, her dealing with her son just recently being diagnosed with autism, she's a lot on her plate right now. And she from what we've seen, I feel like is so completely open about all of it and not ashamed to talk about it, which is a really great quality of a housewife. Like she is giving the cameras what they want. Yes. And I have to say, I know this is going to sound really superficial, but one of the reasons that you can tell she's really going through it from my perspective, at least on like a very, like I said, optics level is because typically I feel like with first season housewives, they want to get glam. And you watch her in the first few episodes, she's glam for every single event, every single, you know, sit down lunch. And I always think about it like in terms of Kyle Richter's this many seasons down the line, she's probably down to walk around her house without makeup. Whereas most people's first season, they want to show through. And so for her to show up to that dinner with Shannon and Gina, you could tell she was just crying, no makeup. Obviously she looked gorgeous. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. It's not about that. But to me, that really is a sign of like exhaustion and just, I don't give a shit just because you could see the way she showed up previously. But at the same time, showing up at all to these women who I don't really feel like she knows that well and is FaceTiming them to cry about her divorce, but then also showing up to drinks with them to also film I mean, it just, it couldn't be me, but all the power to her, I guess, whatever makes her feel better. Well, we always say that with this type of show. Like, I think that to your average person, when you're going through something like this, even if you want people around you, the last thing you want to do is think about how you're going to be perceived. So I personally cannot imagine going through a struggle and then having to also consider all of America. Just didn't it feel a little weird when she's FaceTiming Shannon and Gina? I feel like she doesn't know them. It did feel weird, but at the same time, it's not like she's going to FaceTime her friend that's not on the show. That's the name of the game. I think that the reason that we are so taken by this isn't because we've never seen it before, but I don't think typically this type of traumatic event happens on the third episode with a new housewife. Yeah, no, it definitely caught me off guard, but I guess now we'll just have to watch what happens next. (laughs) Other than that, I mean, let's just be honest, and you can tell me if you feel differently. I felt this episode was rather anticlimactic. Yeah, it was sort of like a stepping stone to the next episode, a little bit of their personal storylines. There was basically no Heather except her reading her long text message to Shannon, which was interesting and sets us up for where they'll stand when they do eventually sit down. And other than that, a little bit of filler. 
a lot of filler. I mean, it, kind of the theme that I felt was all of the apologies went over <laughs> swimming week, like all things considered. Well, yeah. And Nicole and Heather talking and again, seeing even after the dust has settled that they are totally fine and both are so above this. And then Nicole's conversation with Shannon, I think it all was just like a big clusterfuck and Nicole is cool enough to understand that it was all sort of a big misunderstanding. Yeah, she handled it really well, I think. I Also because I think she's kind of embarrassed. Like she has the, I don't want to say luxury, it's like totally the wrong word, but she has the ability to call out Shannon for technically uh, violating her medical privacy and that's accurate and real. But, you know, she recognizes that that's a really strong argument in terms of in the eyes of the group and also in the eyes of the public. Whereas there's definitely a part of her that is embarrassed that this even came up and that she never was forthcoming with Heather, even if she's not necessarily saying that to Shannon. I have to be honest, when they replay clips of what happened at Heather's house and sort of how it, the game of telephone went down, Emily really played a huge part in it. Like, yes, Gina is the one that went and sat Heather down and everything, but when they're sitting in, in Heather's little seating area outside her dining room and Emily is asking Nicole all the questions and saying, did you sue Terry Dubrow? I mean, she was messy and I get they got in a fight and rightfully so, but I feel like even Heather watching this back and when they discuss it at the reunion, she'll realize that her anger that night was maybe a little bit misplaced because Emily was involved way more and I think sort of had messier intentions than Gina ever did. It's funny because we got an inbox last week in response to last week's episode saying like, guys, I feel like you're being kind of harsh on Emily. And that's why I was asking, like, am I wrong in saying that I am confused as to her role? Like, I, I feel like maybe she has more of a stronger fan base than I necessarily recognize. And I'm similar to last week. I'm trying to get there. I want to get there. I want to understand why she's a vital part of the show. I just don't get it yet. And I agree with you that Heather's anger could have potentially been misplaced. But at the same time, it, it was... Emily that got in the issue with Nicole, it was Gina who technically brought it up in the first place. Because if Emily didn't know that Gina was going to bring it up, or if Gina never did, Emily wouldn't have had the conversation. I don't know how much more Nicole is even on the show or involved in anything. I think she sort of fades away, which will be weird, I guess, in terms of formatting. But I guess now we have Noella's plotline and also her pain shook up everything in the group because I think Shannon it was expecting that her and Heather were really going to form the friendship that they never had and that they had a lot of potential for. And now this has really put a damper on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Also, didn't you feel like Gina and Shannon kind of patched things up pretty quickly considering how bad it seemed to get in their confessionals? Yeah, because Gina doesn't let her get away with shit. Like Shannon can't pull her eye bend over backwards with Sha with Gina. And I think Shannon really appreciates that because a lot of people, this, that, this is how she gets herself into trouble. And I like that they showed the clips of them traveling together and that their friendship is far deeper than just the show. And I think Shannon has a lot of respect for her. So I'm glad that they patched things up actually. And I think also Gina just knows Shannon's ways and that she goes around and says, I don't trust you. And she's playing the game and she could see right through it. I like when... Shannon said something to Gina, like, I go out of my way to be kind to you. And Gina's response is like, 
that's not any sort of a compliment. You shouldn't have to be going out of your way to be kind. That should just be your natural state of being if you're going to consider yourself a kind person. And it, it was such a simple yet incredibly accurate response. And I think Shannon was like, oh, shit, you're right. But also, all that being said about Shannon, I think Gina sees right through her and knows her bullshit, but she still loves her. And that's fine. I do, too. I do, too. We Someone else was saying last week they had a totally different perspective than us about the way that the whole thing went down, meaning that, you know, Heather was kind of more in the wrong for getting so upset. What does she expect? She's coming on Housewives. Like, of course, that was going to happen. To me, the the reason that I feel that Shannon was still in the wrong was because just like Gina said, she didn't want to get her hands dirty. So she knew that that was going to spark something and she still then acted so surprised that it happened. And that's why if you want to use that argument for Heather, you at least have to use it for Shannon as well. Like you cannot pretend that you thought this was water under the bridge. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, that's just my opinion. People, you know, I don't know this, this, I would say that this particular cast the opinions are are more mixed than some of the others. Like we can all agree that, or most of us, I feel like can agree, Heather Gay is a great housewife. Most of us can agree, Jen Shaw, not someone we would necessarily want to be friends with. Whereas this crowd, I feel like you really don't know. No, you really don't know. I think people also really base it on how they act each season. And we've seen them at highs and lows. And also now these new women, it's way too hard to say at this point. I'm just going to base it on what I'm seeing right now in the moment in this season, because think about it. We've been with Vicky and Tamara. They're so polarizing too. I fucking love them. Disagree with a lot of things that they do. Same with, with Teresa. So you got to just live in the moment, people. I have faith in OC. I swear to you, I do. But this episode was subpar, but can't win them all. I know that. It wasn't, it wasn't Real Housewives of Miami. No. Listen, can we just be honest with them, please? What? Guys, we recorded the Miami section before this section, and we recorded it the night before we're recording this. So, and like, I haven't even listened back at the time that we're recording this to the whole thing yet. But, and you have, so you can tell me if this is true. <laughs> I was, when we got off that recording last night, I was like, I said to Julie, I was like, I don't know what just happened. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know that Real Houses of Miami was going to spark that inside of us. I hope enough people are watching it. I bet you that not that as many people are going to start out because it's on Peacock and then they're slowly going to get there once they see the response. Oh God, I hope so. See, even our OC discussion turned into Miami. So I feel like we should just get into it now. I know. Okay, let's take a break and we will come back with that. Okay, so one thing about me, I'm going to get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically want to talk to you about DashPass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery, which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So it makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. 
DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders, so it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, term supply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. I knew that Miami was coming to Peacock, but until I really sat down and watched it, it didn't hit me. And it was truly a spiritual experience for me. I have to tell you the joy that I felt watching this show was incomparable. Incomparable. I don't know if it's because I always loved Miami so much. I felt like it was really a superior franchise, even though it only lasted three seasons. Or if it's because I've been on my journey of rewatching every Housewives from start to finish. And I recently just finished Miami in time for the reboot. So I feel like I really was in their lives and I watched everything from start to finish. And then I went down a deep, dark hole of, you know, stalking their Instagrams and following up on some things. So I feel like I was really in it with them. So now to see them back all these years later, opening scene with Mama Elsa's voice, may she rest in peace. I fully was like emotional. I watched it a little bit before you. And that's why I was texting you saying, start this immediately, because I knew that that was the reaction you were going to have. And Personally, for me, I haven't done the rewatch, but obviously at the time I watched it religiously. And I was reminded watching this episode at how much the backdrop of Miami really plays into the viewer experience because there's just something about it where everything feels more fun. Everything just feels more vibrant. And it almost feels fictional in a way because you can't believe that these are the backdrops that they exist in. Oh my God, I really have so much to say. Number one, I implore you, Emma, and everyone listening to watch all three seasons of Miami that were out all those years ago. All three seasons are on Peacock. And it is like season one is old. It's a little bit, it's before they really glammed it up and produced it. And that was the only season Larsa was on, interesting enough. Like she was barely a housewife, but it's how we got to know her. But season two and season three are absolutely like I can't even explain to you how top tier they are those seasons even now would be considered I think some some of the best episodes of housewives ever I know that's like a big statement but I really believe it's true and I have to say a reboot is hard it's almost impossible to capture the magic of what the olden days were and especially because Miami was coming out when I think housewives was really in an interesting place where they were on the cusp of being really aware and really into into social media, but it wasn't all the way there yet. So it was really like the prime time. But this reboot, I think, 
hits on a lot of the points that we loved about the original Miami. I also think having so many of the original cast is a huge, huge help. And the fact that they hired amazing new cast, which is also something we're not used to. Usually, like, the casting is very iffy. That really helped. However, I'd be a liar if I said I didn't really miss Leah Black and Joanna Krupa, who are two incredible housewives. But overall, I loved it, and I am such a Miami fan and so deep into it that I was afraid because I'm so critical, and I really had the best time watching this. The other thing that I wanted to say, was it just me, or were there so many more people? Like, Yeah, they they just kept coming. I was so confused. Can we go through who the actual official housewives are? Yes. So Lisa, Alexia, Larsa, and Marisol are the old ones that are officially back. Adriana is only on as a friend of. And then the new housewives who are on are Gertie, Nicole, Julia, and then Kiki is also a friend of, who's Gertie's friend who we met at Larsa's party. We'll get into later. But it's a it's a big cast, and I love a full cast. And honestly, I can't remember the last time that we really praised Bravo's almost casting or Housewives casting because a lot of times when they bring in new girls, it's very iffy. Honestly, since Heather Dubrow, that was a good move, but we knew her already. Every single new woman that was coming on my screen and I was getting their story, I, I was liking them more than the last. Each one lived a bigger life than the last one. Each one had kind of just a more interesting story and was more extravagant. It was really fun. And they also are just all so, the best way that I can put it is like openly and proudly image conscious. And so it's really fun (laughs) when that like, do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're so willing to talk about it where it makes it a more, in my opinion, a more enjoyable watch because you don't feel necessarily judgmental for noticing the plastic surgery when they are the first ones to say it. Hands down, even that beginning scene, hands down, Miami has the biggest lips of all the franchises, which is like a really hard award to win, I think. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens, I guess, when you have Lenny Hochstein as a husband of. I think all of them are so dynamic and cool in their own way without being annoying. And they feel really like established and like they are actually part of society. And I feel like these are such fucking cool women that almost feel old school housewife-ish in a new way. Listen, Alexia has had such a story arc and her alone, you know, you take out anyone else, just what she brings to the table in terms of the amount of scandals and drama she has been through in her own personal life and the relationships, the stuff with her family. I mean, the list goes on. That alone, when you have somebody like that as one of the core, you know that they have to, they have a responsibility to build a good cast around that. If Alexia hasn't already written a memoir, she needs to. That woman, aside from her being such an amazing personality and so beautiful, her personal life with her husband's, the father of her children, then her ex-husband Herman, now her new husband, her children, like the stories and the things that happen in her life are almost unbelievable. And then also just the way that she is and so cool and so confident. I think she's a joy to watch in such a personality. To me, like she's a fucking perfect housewife. Oh, I think so too. Also because she's so willing to talk about it and willing to go there. And she's willing to engage in gossip and she likes the gossip and she takes a side. She really, I I didn't forget, but seeing her again in the setting and 
even more things have happened to her. I mean, wow. Just what a perfect housewife. I also think, I mean, I cannot speak for personality, so he could turn out to be a total scumbag, but just looks wise, I find her fiance Todd to be very hot. I also like that he's different than anything she's ever had before. I love her relationship with his daughters. Yes, it makes me worried that her son and him don't get along, but I am curious to see how that goes down. And I really think we're going to get the full story because she's not afraid to share it. Completely. Okay. Before anything else, I need to get something off of my chest. Okay. Okay. If you guys have been listening to this podcast, not specifically Comments by Bravo, but just in general, any of our podcast, you know that in the past, I would say we have been slightly critical towards Larsa because she has definitely- <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> well, let's call it like it is. She has behaved in ways that just felt so like robbed of any sort of social grace. And I just really think kind of lacking loyalty. I have to tell you, I loved watching her, Isabel. Loved? You loved. said you enjoyed her. No, I loved watching her. Wow. I'm not saying that I agree with everything she says, but you know something? She was very entertaining. And also, I don't give a shit who it is. I will not stand by for, and you just know that the the rant we went on about Alexia, love that bitch. I'm just saying with Larsa, like if she is making a shitload of money by posting photos of her body online that she paid a lot of money for, let her live. Like, <laughs> that she paid a lot of money for. I mean, come on. She, she is that ass and she's not going to make money off of it. Like, I will never, ever be on the side of criticizing someone for that. So already I was going to be more on her team, which I cannot even believe I'm saying this, but because everybody was coming down so hard on her for that. Oh, I'm so torn because – no, actually, I'm not really that torn. I did not enjoy her as much as you did at all. I think she's a toned down version of herself because she, like I said earlier, wasn't really a housewife. Like she was for a hot minute and then she wasn't. And all of the real big actual production and housewife training really went down in seasons two and three, which she wasn't a part of. So her relationships with these women, like I don't really think she's that good friends with them when, whereas the other ones have a lot of history and connection. So I think although it's played out as like, oh, she's a housewife coming back, this is not her territory. So I think she's a little bit more reserved than we're used to seeing her on like Courtney's birthday trip where she's flipping out on everybody and really not afraid to like do her thing. I just don't like her. I just don't. I think she just, I don't know. I feel like she's fake in a lot of ways. And I just, maybe it's, she's just unintelligent. So it comes across that she's fake. She didn't annoy me as much as I was expecting her to, but I don't know. I mean, yes. Is she entertaining? For sure. Like she's hosting a pretty little thing, hot girl summer pool party and moving balloons in her own backyard. It's all like a little bit bizarre. And again, from my angle of just watching, when you watched her on the one season of Miami that she was on before, she was like Holly Homemaker. So now to see her come back and she looks and acts completely different and her priorities are completely different and her whole life is so different, it's you forget, but then it's sort of shocking. Okay, I need to clarify my stance. Me saying I loved watching her does not mean that I love her. I still feel the same way about her based on what I have seen previously. That's not going away. I'm just saying I think that she is a major contribution to this show. And 
I don't think that it's so much about the fact that she wasn't as close with these women. To me, that's a non-factor. I think, and I don't know, you may disagree with this. There's absolutely nothing wrong with obviously, you know, being divorced and going through this public breakup with the Kardashians. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. She's, you know, like she said, she's being, she's completely independent now and she's killing it. But there's a part of me, and I think you're going to disagree with this, that feels like it humbled her just a little, which may feel a little bit antithetical to the way that she was acting. But I do believe that if she was coming on this show still in her same marriage and living that life that she lived and still having the close friendship with the Kardashians, I think that she would have come in with a little bit more of uh, this energy of like, I own shit. And I felt like it was a little bit toned down. Again, I know you're going to disagree with me, but that's just how I felt. Yeah. It was overall, she was more toned down than I was expecting, which I guess is a pleasant surprise, but that, that girl's just an enigma to me. I don't know. I just like, I also feel like a little bit she brings interest, but she also cheapens it for me, which I think is sort of just her like thing. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but she's there and we're going to soak it up. And I think knowing her history and sort of all these connections she has in this life that she has lived and continues to live will bring a lot of things up in the group because l- let me just tell you something. Someone like Mary Soul is not would not be friends with someone like Larsa, which again, it makes it a little unrealistic, but then it also adds, it adds drama and it adds conflict. And even somebody, somebody like Julia, Julia shows up to Larsa's pretty little thing party in a silk pajama set. That's my kind of girl right there. Okay. She shows up in silk pattern pajamas with feathers and Larsa is in a literal dental floss bathing suit net with pearls. So that right there, it's like, okay, do I think they're really going to be friends? No. But is their dynamic and her dynamic, everybody going to create some drama for us? Of course. Okay. Hold on. Let's, (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Let me, (laughs) what? I'm just, I feel like I'm just, I don't know. I feel like I'm sitting in the front (laughs) of Wait, what is happening that you're now feeling you have to defend Larsa Pippen? Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I I don't know how I got myself in this situation. Like, we can the downfall of our friendship cannot be this. I will not die on this hill. I'm not defending her. I just, I want to make a point clear. Hold on. First things first. No, I don't think that her and Marisol would be close friends. But I do think it is very probable that they would operate in a similar circle in terms of going to these certain events in Miami. So I don't. Oh, I completely do. I think that there's a lot of differences, but there is definitely a Venn diagram there. Think about it, Isabel. Think about something. I think like- more. I think more. Lisa. Lisa is more the, uh, I guess, the center of the Venn diagram that would connect the two of them. Yes, but any no. This is the way that I feel. Any party, for the most part, that Marisol would be invited to, Lisa and Lenny would probably be invited to in Miami in the, like the Miami prestige. And I think that Larsa would be invited to a handful of those. It's not like, it's not like you're watching a show where there's no world in which these two would interact in the same. Yeah. yeah, That's fair. That's totally fair to say. Like, I'll put it like this. I don't think typically pre housewives, Heather and Gina were necessarily at the same black tie events. No, no. Right. It's almost like I saw somebody tweet today. I think it was, Oh no, Bravo. That the reason we like Gina and Heather so much is that it reminds us of old school Brandy and LVP. 
Yes, that's a great take. I know. I want to talk more about Julia for a second that you just mentioned because to me, she was one of the MVPs of this episode. No, no, no. You don't understand. TikTok sound. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Such a class act. So much fun. And you know, also the thing that it was so great about her is that on one hand, she had the freshness of a new housewife, but you also could totally get the sense that she's doing this for fun. You know, she lives this really exciting life and she's so fulfilled, I think, in so many aspects of her life that this was a fun project for her. And it's so fun to have a housewife like that because there's no desperation in it. And I think when you're talking about the difference of her and Larsa, I think if you really were, you know, boiling it down in, in its most simplest terms, I think the hint of desperation you get from Larsa is something that is completely absent from someone like Julia. I mean, she's married to Martina Navratilova. I know. And she's crazy. I know. I didn't realize that until she said it. And I was like, we both have the exact same reaction. Like our dads are going to freak out. I know. I said it to my parents. I'm like, her wife is a new housewife of Miami. They're like, wow. Yeah. No, that's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. I got to say, I know I said it a million times before. I love the casting. I think Gertie is so cool and bubbly and her career is amazing and she's glamorous. And I think she really is friends with Alexia, which I love that duo. And Nicole almost reminds me of Dr. Jen Armstrong from Orange County, but also mixed with Mary from Selling Sunset in a weird way. I I really liked her too. And I think her family story is interesting. No, she was interesting. I don't know if I necessarily took to her in the sense of like, she's not the first person I pointed out that I'd want to be friends with, but I think that she brings an interesting flair to the show for sure. And also... I know this is kind of like a less specific point, but I do think that it's really healthy as housewives continue to evolve, that they show different family structures that aren't necessarily like your quote normal one. So like she's not technically married and she's thrilled with that. And I just think like normalizing, you know, the different definitions of what a family is, is important. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I agree with you. I didn't take to her necessarily right away. I think Gertie and Julia were way more memorable but she definitely made herself known at the party when she was defending the OnlyFans thing is so fucking hard. I think another reason that we really enjoyed Gertie is because it's really great when a new housewife has a career that the others actually respect. And I really believed Alexia when she was saying like, listen, if there's a party, she's throwing it. And so there's just something to be said for that. Right. And she's saying I'm in Harper's Bazaar and Vogue and they think she's really cool. Like she's like a Mindy Weiss of Miami. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And they care about parties. Like it's something they actually care about, which is crazy because it also is like they might care more about Gertie being a party planner than Nicole being an anesthesiologist, but you got to know your audience. Well, exactly. I mean, that's not specific to them though. That's such a culture in Miami. Like it is such, mm-hmm. you know, a, a place filled with so many parties. Like if you are really somebody who appreciates nightlife, that's the place to be. No, that, that's what it is. It's one big vacation. I know. I am an Adriana stan. I'm sorry. I know that might be controversial. I felt it since day one. I think, again, a superb housewife and just a great person and so interesting. I know her and Frederick are divorced and I knew it, but just to hear it, really, I was heartbroken. I thought they were such an amazing couple and he was such a fabulous guy that I really, I'm sad. I know. It is kind of mourning the life that you saw them build. I mean, that's the other thing. You watch these women really evolve. Like we were talking about this um, a little bit before, but 
Lisa, for example, the first time that we saw her, it was when, you know, she was really struggling to have a child. She was having those fertility issues. They were building the house and then you come back and she now has this, she has two children. They've built their dream house. And like, I know it's different from Adriana because the circumstance is one that's, you know, happier because she got what she achieved. But either way, you're like, wow, look at how your life is different from the last time we saw you. Lisa felt different to me. It was dark. I knew about, I don't know if we knew necessarily that they took a break. Again, just hearing it from her mouth is totally different than reading it on a random blog. But hearing her talk about them taking a break and Lenny having an emotional affair and then her just sort of confronting him about where they are in their marriage now, her aura and vibe just feels different. Yeah, I've... I felt the same way, not in a way where it was like, you know, a judgmental, like, oh, what's her deal? It was like, wow, this feels a little bit sad to me. I feel like your existence, of course, she's, you know, has a family that she loves, but I'm saying aside from that, it felt slightly vapid. And I feel like that's maybe catching up to her. I I don't know. It was, uh, it was a good example of somebody who appears to have it all, but you have to wonder what's like really going on inside. I just feel like her sparkle was gone a little bit and it's mm-hmm. clearly crazy to say, oh, her life is so vapid now. It, it was always, it was always, she married a plastic surgeon. She moved into his huge house. They were building a home and she was obsessed with Birkins. So it's crazy to say that I feel like her meaning of life is different now, but it is. And all she wanted was kids and a family. So now to see her in that place, but also feel that she's maybe a little bit different. I feel like they've really been through a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I have to give her credit for being so open about Lenny's emotional affair. Like that wasn't easy for her. Can I tell you the best way for me to describe how I felt? Yeah. It was as if her doing the reboot of the show was one of the best things that she feels has happened to her recently. It was like, yes, this is my purpose. Like I needed this. Right. Like not that she obviously needed it financially or for the cloud or anything like that, but I feel like it's something that she has ownership over. And I don't know, there's something about that that feels exciting for her. I just know that she has built and I don't, I think has like a lot of stake and say in the Hoxine Med Spa. Like they opened a whole other branch of his business and it's more cosmetic and not surgery. And I think she's super involved in that. So that must be where she feels a, a sense of pride. But again, it's all based off of him. And this is something that she really has for herself on her own. And yeah, I'm I'm glad for her that it's back. I think it'll give her a little bit of like a boost that she needed. Do you want to talk about the Dumois rumors or no? I was about to say that, yes. Okay. So I'm sure you guys saw how on the episode, she made a comment about how her neighbors probably aren't pleased with them based on the noise from the music, the parties that they throw. And it's funny hearing her say that because there were these Dumob lines about exactly that, that the neighbors are so fed up with them and they're constantly throwing parties, specifically during our Basel, but really all year round. And I'm going to say it, you can cut it if you want. Well, Not- wait, 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 before you say it, it said a Miami couple a reality star couple known for their huge parties where the hawk signs have literally 800 people parties. I don't know at once a month. It basically said a lot of things that pointed very clearly in the direction of the hawk signs. So this is all alleged. We don't know if it's true, but you can gather from the clues that were given. 
And the other clue, I'm just going to say it. It's okay. We're not saying it's true. Yeah. One of the rumors, again, totally a rumor, Dumas themselves will say that none of this shit is is proven to be true, is that they are swingers, which is just a fun fact to consider. Honestly, it makes sense. Don't knock it till you try it. I have no judgment for any of that shit if it's all consenting parties. I mean... (laughs) The signs are all there. They might have some marital troubles. They throw these huge over-the-top parties. Lisa seems really down. Lenny seems really down. And good for them. Keep it spicy. They both seem also just very appreciative of beauty. Like, you saw the way that she was looking at all the women's boobs at Lars's party. Not in, like, a predatory way, obviously. In, like, a, hey, let's celebrate this. Like, my husband did a great job. So, I don't know. Maybe they want to experience it. Good for them. I don't give a shit. Yeah, just... Interesting timing and, you know, I love a fun fact. What else do we want to mention from this episode? Oh, my God. The ending with Alexia talking about Herman, her late husband, who passed away a year after they divorced, having potentially a male lover that showed up at his funeral. Yeah, I cannot believe that she in that moment decided to have that text sent. All of a sudden, her assistant is just texting him like it's no big deal. Also, by the way, it has nothing to do with like it being a male. I mean, obviously, that's an added element because clearly she was unaware of that part of his potential sexuality, if that's the case. But it was just a lover in general. Yeah, of, co- of course. And somebody that felt close enough to him to show up at his funeral. That's the thing about funerals. It really can reveal a part of a person's life that they did a pristine job at hiding but you know with with anything whether it's business love whatever yeah that's how I feel about 23 and me that too (laughs) this was so much fun I'm so happy it exists I love it I don't know like I don't even know how many people made it to the end of this episode because I don't know how many people are actually watching but I hope more people are on board or they'll get on board and uh I'm just happy that we're alive during this time send us a dm on comments by bravo if a you're watching the reboot and B, if you have recently or are currently deciding to rewatch Miami from the beginning, actually any franchise, because I've pretty much watched all of them very recently, but Miami specifically, and you want to talk about it or just give your thoughts, I would really love to hear what everybody thinks. Yeah. I'm, I know you don't believe me and that's okay. I don't want you to. I'd rather just show you instead of tell you, but I am going to start it because I remembered how much I enjoyed it the first time. You think you're enjoying this reboot? Like- Truly, it's heaven on earth to rewatch. I know. Whew. Well, that was a lot of fun. Is there anything else about anything that you would like to mention? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for letting us do this. That was really a fun thing to be able to discuss. I love just something fun and new. I know. And like, I also love a first episode before it gets heavy because, you know, there's going to be some shit and like coming off of the Jen indictment and, you know, Mary's potential cult. It's like (laughs) sometimes you just want to talk about tits. Sometimes you just got to go to a pretty little thing party at Larsa Pippins. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada 
For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.